Hello, and welcome back to APIs You Won't Hate. My name is Mike Bifolco. I am your co-host of the APIs You Won't Hate podcast. Uh, flying solo today, Phil and I uh, have been doing our usual thing where we dance around each other's schedules. Uh, and being an East Coast American, uh, working with a uh, middle of Europe and or middle of UK and or tree dwelling uh, co-founder is a little challenging. But uh, today I am super, super happy to be able to sit down and chat with my new friend Sagar Bachu from Speakeasy. Uh, Sagar, it's really nice to meet you. Thanks for joining today. How are you? Doing well. Thanks, Mike. Um, uh, you know, I've been following your and Phil's work for a long time uh, and very much admire what you guys have been doing with APS you won't hate. So really excited to talk today. Yeah, thanks so much. I'm I'm honestly deeply flattered by that. And it's always really encouraging to hear. Um, we, we love the community we've built and it's super cool to see uh, us having real impact on people's lives and careers and things like that. Um, we are, of course, here to talk about your work and what you're doing at Speakeasy. Uh, but before we get started doing that, I'm going to surprise you with a question that I didn't tell you I was going to ask you, but I went on your company page on speakeasyapi.dev and I looked at your profile there. And the second thing it says under your name is you love chicory in your coffee. So uh, we need to start by talking about coffee because I'm a, a massive, massive coffee nerd. Um, tell me tell me a bit about your favorite way to have coffee. <laughs> yeah, thanks for checking that out. Um, my favorite way to have coffee is traditional pour over. So if ideally have beans at home, grind them up. Um, a nice ritual in the morning before you get started to, work, to actually grind coffee, smell out, have a nice drink. Um, that statement comes from uh, my my family actually has a background in growing coffee. So past couple of generations on one side of my family has been growing coffee in India for a while. Uh, so that um, means I have to be a coffee snob. There's no other way. <laughs> Yeah, got it. I think you just pulled credentials on me. So I, I'm certainly outranked here, but I drink an awful lot of coffee uh, and I'm, I'm a big fan of the morning ritual too. Uh, I'm an espresso drinker myself. I tend to do a shot of espresso first thing in the morning. Um, but yeah, good, good to know I'm in good company in more than one way here. Um, all right, well, let's start there. Why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself, uh, your career, your story leading up to where you are today, and then let's talk a little bit about Speakeasy and uh, what you're building now. Totally. So my journey probably starts uh, back in university and um, in senior year of university, I had this existential crisis where I realized years of work sitting in a physics lab wasn't adding up to what I wanted to be doing. Um, and unlike most of my friends, wasn't going to go get a PhD, uh, didn't really want to continue being in a lab on the ground for a number of years. And so... Had a mild freak out, decided to take as many computer science classes as possible one year or try to be this pseudo computer engineer. Um, and from there, um, very much realized that this is what I wanted to be doing. I wanted to be building infrastructure, building software that other companies get to build on top of. So that began a career in software engineering. Um, and most recently, before Speakeasy, I had the opportunity to work at a company called LiveRamp, which was a massive identity data platform uh, powering a lot of advertising in the US as well as elsewhere in the world. And um, with any massive scale data product like that, you have huge you know, internal data infrastructure and developer tooling needs internally. And um, this is, you know, for all of us who've been doing engineering, who do open source, who do developer work, a lot of the best projects out there start as projects internally at companies. So um, this was very much, you know, foundational experience for me. Um, while I was at uh, LiveRamp, I moved out to the UK um, and actually started to build out an engineering team for the company there. 
And through that experience, really found that I loved this zero to one process of going from having no idea what you're doing uh, to a couple of drawings on a whiteboard to an early prototype to figuring out, you know, if people pay for a product. Um, and that was an amazing experience because doing that with kind of a backing of a company and um, having a whole machine around you that would support decision making um, is not something everyone gets to do. So very, very fortunate to have done that. Um, a lot of what I did at LiveRamp was focused around scaling our internal developer tooling, our infrastructure, uh, data infrastructure. And so um, towards the end of that experience, I much realized what I wanted to do next was actually um, commoditize some of the things I had been exposed to internally uh, to developers everywhere, um, and then also bring that to other enterprises where there's so much value locked up that uh, is waiting to be unlocked. Yeah, I think that's a fairly common feeling for folks who work at large companies with big engineering teams, uh, that you have hundreds and thousands of man hours that can often get bottled behind decisions that were made long before people who are still at the company. And uh, some of the value of things being built um, lacks the capacity to scale because things can't always move as quickly at big companies as they can at uh, zero to one shops, as, as uh, you might put it. Um, yeah. Okay. So I guess that brings us to where you are now with Speakeasy. So what's the um, elevator pitch? What's the value proposition for Speakeasy? Totally. So uh, Speakeasy is a API developer experience platform. We make it really easy for API producers, so people who actually build APIs both internally and externally, to offer a world-class developer experience for their users. Um, and for any of us who you know, worked at these API companies, we know the, the massive amount of platform engineering effort that goes into actually building a great API, scaling it, doing all the tool, last mile tooling to ensure that you know, your users are happy. Um, and so Speakeasy is that API platform that lets you serve your users, make sure you're only able to you know, unlock new developer communities and double your API usage quarter on quarter. Um, today, we've kind of coming at the problem actually in reverse and have started with the day zero problem that, you know, API consumers face when they integrate with APIs. And that's integrating with an API's trial and error. You look at docs, you look at your ID, you try out something, doesn't really work. Um, there's often no usage examples to go off of. There's very little guidance. And so you, you're either in Slack with you know, an API team figuring out what to do, um, or you're hand-rolling your own client and SDK to figure out, you know, to, to create something repeatable that maybe other people on your team or your friends can take advantage of. Um, so that problem is something we've seen repeated over and over. And so we realized one of the best ways to kind of enter this problem space is provide a managed SDK offering. And then what that means is um, when you're an API producer, you just want to build your API. But you also want to serve your developers in different communities. Um, and to do that, you need great SDKs. These are kind of how, as API users, this is, this is our primary way of interacting with APIs today. And so a great SDK makes our usage of an API loyal. It ensures that we have less errors. Um, it's, it's honestly, um, you know, creates this great experience around using an API. And, and kind of this proof in the pudding here in that the top 1% of API companies that drive traffic uh, today all have great SDKs and, and kind of huge teams internally that maintain them. Um, at LiveRamp as well, we had kind of an internal DSL for API building that we created and eventually worked towards this goal. And we've seen this pattern repeated uh, many, at many other companies before 
Palantir, Stripe, Twilio, um, all have this kind of internal um, experience around end-to-end type safety and making sure that end users get ergonomic experiences. So that's where we're starting today. Um, as we move forward to manage SDKs, we're starting to offer more components of API infrastructure that help you scale your API. Uh, so things like self-service authentication that works with any API gateway, um, self-service troubleshooting and visibility so your end users can actually understand how they're using your API. And then eventually going down, um, or going upstream, I should say, into the server side, helping you maintain your API, create API specs. And this is you take up all of those tough problems that API producers face. Yeah, there's a lot there. Um, I think that you're tackling a problem space that is obviously quite diverse in uh, what, what you need to be able to address, but also is one where people can really relate to the series of problems that you've just described. Um, especially, uh, I like that you said something along the lines of, uh, what you're doing is helping uh, API engineering teams just build the the uh, API, right? Um, they're spending their time doing the thing that probably their company does best, which is have some uh, super specific engineering uh, know-how about building something, whatever it is. You know, it can be anything uh, from from uh, Phil's company building things to track trees being planted in the middle of the UK to, uh, you know, whatever it is up and down. But uh, the when those groups of... Um, engineers spend their time figuring out how to do SDKs in various languages correctly, they're essentially wasting uh, man hours on unsolved problems to some extent. Is that roughly uh, the, the gist of uh, why having a managed SDK offering is something that um, you're interested in providing? Exactly. It's We want to take the burden off engineering teams to work looking to scale. So this is the sure. bottom line for companies. Um, at the same time, we, we think there's like a top line um, advantage as well. So companies bring into, you know, being able to break into new developer communities means potentially more revenue as well. So we, we like this kind of dual approach of, yeah, reduce your cost, but also scale your usage. Yeah. Okay. So uh, let's talk about the nuts and bolts of it then. So you, you offer managed uh, SDKs, I'm sure in a variety of languages. What does that look like? Yeah. Um, great question. So for those of you who are familiar with like open API and open standards in the ecosystem, there are, you know, tons of open source generators today that will get you 50% of the way there. A lot of teams like Handroll, SDKs as well, um, is a common pattern we've seen. Um, but to have really a great SDK, something that's truly ergonomic, um, to your point, Mike, you know, built out in a variety of languages, hosted um, in GitHub, published to package managers, taking, you know, that whole life cycle of concerns is actually really difficult. And so our product uh, it can be thought of like a zero-touch experience. We'll, we connect directly to your GitHub, wherever your API specs are hosted, um, and actually create a GitHub workflow that automatically validates, um, you know, checks and enriches your spec, and then creates SDKs. And we do something like seven languages now, um, and then takes care of publishing them as well to package managers and keeping them validated and up-to-date. So that whole you know, box diagram that you people probably have internally of API spec to SDKs is something that we're taking care of today. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And so, um, which spec formats do you uh, work with? Yeah. So we, we work with open API primarily today, but have started to support Postman collections, um, want to expand to the kind of breadth of the whole JSON schema eventually. We know that's like an ongoing internal discussion of, of how wide to go. Um, and eventually in the future, even look at other formats, potentially put out something of our own. But today, OpenAPI has you know, such amazing adoption. 
continue to be, you know, evangelists of that ecosystem and, and see a really strong mutual existence there. Yeah, I think I can understand that, especially because OpenAPI is so broadly adopted. Uh, it's something that there's, there's often domain expertise for at least um, in the design process. And, you know, things, things can go all kinds of haywire depending on the way the engineering team is set up once the spec is created. Uh, and, um, you know, we've, we've talked about on the show all sorts of um, challenges that come up with that. Um, even at that, too, the open API spec is an evolving thing, right? Like it is, it has moved and continues to move in for good reason. As we learn more about building uh, APIs and client libraries from scratch, we, we want more naturally out of what uh, we think the spec should be able to do. Um, and for a long time, I think that's also where JSON schema has been an interesting topic, too, talking about validation and automatic generation of UIs and stuff like that is really actually kind of an interesting uh, problem set to think about. Um, so tell me a little bit about the, uh, I guess, the customers uh, that are looking at Speakeasy or the engineering teams that are using Speakeasy. Do they have like a commonality? Is there a part of the engineering journey that they're typically at when they come to you? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. We um, have been working with a variety of companies across a couple different verticals, e-commerce, uh, fintech, developer tooling, other infrastructure companies. Um, and we see it largely at two modes of operation. We have teams that are very early in the journey. They're essentially doing the first API launch. They're launching the product, launching the business. And so these are, these are what I would call lighthouse teams who realize that, you know, from day one, they want great SDKs, great documentation, good authentication. They want everything that makes an API experience kind of world-class. Um, and so we're able to help these kind of teams take work off the plate, ensure that great API launch happens for them. Um, and then you have teams that, you know, are much more mature with the APIs, usually, you know, dozens of endpoints, hundreds of operations in their API spec, um, and have a sprawling API ecosystem internally. And so for them, the value proposition of Speakeasy is not just helping the external developer experience, but also the internal developer experience. Um, often you get to that scale where you have teams with, you know, dozens of API specs. Each team has their own open API. And suddenly uh, there's a question of how do you manage all these interfaces? Are you going to have one massive monorepo with SDKs for all your APIs or do you want separate ones? And there's all these questions that pop up um, at that scale. That, and that's where we come in. We actually help uh, capture a lot of that decision making in our product. Yeah, that actually touches on a really interesting point that I feel like I've seen maybe rumblings of a lot lately. I feel like for particularly large engineering teams, maybe not even large, but ones that have existed for a while, there's this notion of almost, um, for lack of a better term, I'll call it internal developer relations, where part of the challenge becomes how do we make it better to be a developer working on this thing? Uh, and just knowing the breadth of tools available and like the um, capacity to do better and make the engineering process better is actually kind of a big treasure trove of value for engineering companies. Uh, you know, engineers burn out because their product is hard to work on or because the process of getting code from ideation to production becomes really challenging. And I think companies are really starting to get wise to that, where uh, being able to lift some of the weight off the shoulders of engineers makes life easier and makes them, you know, as close to making it joyful to write code as it can possibly be. Uh, you know, I don't think I would say that code, writing code is always joyful, but um, it makes it better, right? And, and uh, having tool sets that do that is certainly something that will help with that kind of uh, conversation. Uh, really interesting to hear that um, your your sort of larger and maybe more experienced uh, customers are thinking about that too. Absolutely. In a way, we almost treat it as a way to onboard onto a product where we recommend teams to 
users for an internal use case first before going external. And if you can prove to your own self and developer teams that there's a massive productivity as well as you know overall value proposition, then hopefully that is obvious to your end users eventually. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, ideally it's a um, tool set that speaks for itself. The value should become apparent. Um, so speaking about adoption then, what is the um, strategy for pricing? Is there an onboarding experience that allows people to test out Speakeasy without having to spin up a, um, you know, a new SaaS charge? Yeah, so you can get on board with us today. Um, we have a very generous and free trial of free tier within the product. Um, use us, up, all, all it takes is uh, an open API spec to get started. Um, and, you know, even if you don't have one, we actually will work with you to put one together. Um, we've been doing some fun Hack Week projects internally to use the latest uh, LLM and ChatGPT tech to actually create specs for you if you don't have ones. Um, yeah, fun stuff around that with, you know, fun stuff with that around the corner and hope to share more. Um, but yeah, so that, that's all you need to get started. And then as you become a customer of Speakeasy, we basically charge in the number of operations you manage to us. So yeah, an operation is one rest verb per endpoint. Um, and our instance, we're basically incentivized to help you grow your API and grow usage. So um, we grow as you grow pretty friendendly with with companies. you know we're we're pretty early ourselves, and so always iterating, trying to understand where the maximum value is for teams. yeah, sure. And it goes a long way to be able to let people just get in and try the thing and and give you feedback, see what's going to work for them. That's totally true. One of the ways we we'd like to work with people is we um, if we see that you have an API, out there publicly hosted will actually just create an SDK to send it to you um, and say, hey, this is yours. Um, feel free to use it. Um, you know, trying to leave a little gift on your doorstep and see what happens. Sure. Yeah. Wow. That's that's a very pleasant surprise, I'm sure, to wake up to. Uh, what, what an interesting idea. So you talked a lot about um, focusing on idiomatic uh, SDK generation, which uh, I think for folks who have used client libraries that are idiomatic versus not idiomatic, it's always apparent when you bump into something that's very thoughtfully made. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of interesting decisions you have to make to generate uh, client libraries in different languages that feel natural to, to both languages. Uh, what does your approach to that look like? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. You're, you're absolutely right. The devil's in the details when it comes to ergonomics. I, I think Think of it in two ways. Um, first and foremost, there's some top level philosophies that we try to maintain. Type safety is number one. Um, we want to make sure that end users get a type safe experience. This is particularly a problem in, in REST where, you know, server to client type safety is not always guaranteed. Um, we want to make sure they're human readable. So in the case that the SDK fails or there's, an, there's, or there's some kind of error, you should be able to actually understand how the SDK is working. Um, we want to give you a batteries include experience. So um, if you've come across a good SDK, you know it's batteries included when it has built-in telemetry and retries and pagination. And it kind of takes care of the long tail of problems you come, yeah, you you know, you bump into as you do API integration. And then finally, be fault tolerant. Um, what's worse than this, you know, not having an SDK is an SDK that's broken. Um, that is something that no developer likes. And so that's another top level concern for us. So th those are kind of a high level philosophies. Um, but as we get into each language, we found that people are extremely opinionated about what a good Go SDK versus a good C Sharp SDK looks like. Um, you know, we try our best to maintain some stability and developer experience across them, but we also 
provide a set of extensions and hooks for people to actually customize the SDK output. Um, because we know that, you know, we, we can be opinionated and prescribe what a good Go SDK looks like. However, each company uh, and team sees an SDK as actually a representation of their engineering philosophy. And so we need to ensure that we're customizable enough that people can feel like it's their own. Uh, and we're taking off, you know, getting rid of all the heavy lifting of that uh, repetitive coding they need to do. But at the same time, they can customize it and have a branded experience for their users. So um, as we get into more languages, we're, we're exposing more extensions um, and eventually would love to get to a place where we actually expose um, the underlying generator as well for people to extend and you know provide their oh. own um, system of cu customizing the SDKs. Sure. Yeah, that's the tacit dream of an idiomatic um, SDK is that not only should it feel good in that language, but it should maybe feel good and also feel like something that's flavored like your team, right? Flavored like your exactly. company and maybe uses your style guide or your, um, you know, language features that, that certain teams have adopted and prefer to use. Along those lines, I guess I'm interested in hearing a little bit about how documentation works then for the SDKs that you're generating. Yeah, uh, this is somewhere I would say we're still pretty early in. We do provide uh, usage snippets and markdown for every SDK that's created. So um, we want to make sure we're giving you the tools for you to be able to take that and embed it in your own doc site or your own app. Uh, longer term, we would actually love to ship React embeds around this so that you could, you know, one click get a SDK documentation in Docusaurus or any kind of open source docs provider. Uh, so slowly stepping towards that. Um, and you're right, this is this is so critical because when you work with something like open API, it's there's so much breadth, right? You have, you know, types of serialization, you have ways of managing request responses, you have um, all of these data types and things that really should just be captured in usage examples for people to just copy paste um, and get started. So um, today we have markdown documentation. Uh, tomorrow we do want to launch a SDK first uh, docs product. Uh, there's lots of great API docs providers out there, but we haven't seen an SDK docs provider. And from our point of view, it's a, it's a completely different kind of user journey. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um... We, so uh, you and I haven't spoken about this, but I'm, I'm a um, former Stripe uh, employee uh, and, and having a fair bit of um, insight into what it looked like for Stripe to generate documentation for the broad variety of, of client libraries that Stripe produces. It's a pretty custom thing. Like it, it takes a lot of work to make it not only look presentable, but also feel good and be informative for the people consuming it. Uh, so it's worth being thoughtful there. And uh, I can understand the need to uh, kind of take your time and get to a place where uh, you're building something that not only is functional, but you're proud of and sort of ticks all the boxes for the people who want to consume your SDKs. Uh, what are you thinking about next? What's Speakeasy working on now? Yeah, so for us, SDKs has been this awesome wedge into this rich API ecosystem. Uh, moving forward from there, there's many more ancillary concerns around the API that we're trying to address. Um, things like self-service auth. So to give you an example, you know, uh, companies like Stripe or GitHub have amazing self-service API auth experiences. I can get a GitHub personal access token and I can provide scopes and get going completely by myself. But how many APIs out there have that kind of self-service experience? So powering all of those experiences is something that we are going after. Um, and then as as we progress, we're starting to go up the value chain, the server side and support things like server-side generation, um, giving you middleware to embed various parts of the API lifecycle directly into your build. Um, so really exciting path for, for Speakeasy. 
on the, on the SDKs itself as well, I'm throwing a plug that uh, a lot of our early customers have been amazing and pushed us to think about SDKs as not just languages, but also runtimes and, and novel services. So we started to invest in generating Terraform as another SDK uh, type. Uh, a lot of infrastructure companies need Terraform providers, and it's something that can be taken or created directly from your open API spec. Eventually, you can think of things like command line tools, Zapier plugins, ChatGPT plugins. These are all SDKs of an API and should all, you know, the moment you have an API spec should all become immediately available to you. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. There's uh, a lot of ancillary value you can provide by just plugging plugging into those little things. Having a an API that works well with Zapier, for example, uh, enables a lot of no-code and low-code experiences for people who may not be... Uh, happy in Postman or, you know, trying to, to send curl requests to figure out how something works, uh, but can certainly provide value, uh, you know, almost straight out of the, the gate there. Um, yeah, there's, it sounds like you have uh, a broad array of things to tackle and definitely like have, have come a long way to provide value for your customers as is right now. Um, that's, uh, it's a very interesting journey. And I think one of the things that we're seeing in, in the world of APIs right now too, is a lot of companies are thinking about this as a more holistic view of it's not just uh, write the spec and then hope someone builds the spec. It's write the spec and then generate value from that as much as possible. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm personally enjoying being able to see all these things come into existence because it's making uh, the, the sort of middle developer experience really nice where you consume APIs and build things that are functional from that has suddenly become much easier and nicer across the board too. Absolutely. Um, I think especially to today as we see this new wave of AI companies uh, pop up. Um, at the end of the day, every AI company is an API company. Um, it's really interesting to see, you know, ChatGPT adopt OpenAPI as the standard for plugins. So it's this ecosystem is just seeing so many great tailwinds and continues to grow. And um, we want to be at the center of it and, and help this ecosystem continue to grow. Yeah, well, that's that's um, really encouraging to hear. I um, I'm one of those people that spends a lot of time thinking about ChatGPT and and AI based products and. Uh, have dipped my toe in it a few times for sure, uh, but I'm also a very happy end user of it. And nice to see that like the standards I'm already familiar with will be really helpful that future. Um, tell me a bit about how Speakeasy uh, is working with open source. Are there are you working with uh, like Open API uh, to to develop future specs? How's um, how's that side of the house work for you? Totally. So the core product we have is closed source today. Um, it is an ongoing discussion internally on how we uh, make more parts of our product open source. Uh, in the meantime, what we've done is we've adopted this philosophy of any tooling that we build that makes our lives easier, uh, that is you know, not in our core code generation, is stuff that we open source. So um, I'm happy to provide some links to some interesting projects we worked on, like OpenAPI validators. Um, we've open sourced um, a new templating engine that allows us to work more flexibly with OpenAPI. Um, so there's lots of uh, ways we see we can add value to the open source community while still keeping our core product closed source. Um, we support, you know, the newest versions of open API. I think as we grow, we'll, and we have dozens of companies working with us, we'll be in a really good place to help inform and provide feedback to the open API foundation on, on future iterations of the, of the protocol. Yeah, I would love to see some of those open source projects. And I think the Open API uh, Foundation and the spec itself gets better with more voices uh, in, in the room, um, in particular when you're thinking about expanding uh, the tooling that comes from Open API and the things that we're building based on it. 
especially people in the position you're in, right, where your company is building tools that directly consume and build from open API. I think your feedback becomes particularly valuable because you've got insight on both sides of that, consuming the spec, delivering things with the spec, and all of the little holes that kind of develop as, as a result of that uh, and the bumps along the way there. Uh, so tell me about, uh, I guess, the future. From here, you, you have um, uh, a, a series of releases coming out. I actually really liked, I was browsing your site uh, earlier. It looks like you have a public roadmap, which I think is really interesting, uh, where um, consumers or uh, consumers, people who are interested in Speakeasy can go see what you're bring, bringing next, but also vote on things and uh, leave feedback on what's coming with the roadmap. Um, are there are there things you're interested in getting around to building uh, in the future? Like, are there releases coming that your team is kind of chomping at the bit to get out the door? Yeah, totally. And we, we always welcome feedback and upvotes, downvotes as well to our, to our roadmap, always looking for people to, to be loud and opinionated. Um, yeah, so some really excited things coming up um, on the immediate front with SDKs. You know, this is, it's amazing once you get into SDKs, the number of things, number of value you can start to capture uh, and, you know, make lives easier for developers. So I'm excited for support for mobile SDKs, support for OAuth, um, Diaclin SDKs, you know, never refresh in token again. Uh, pagination, those kind of things that um, we see can all be embedded into the interface for a developer. Uh, so all you have to do is integrate and you get all that stuff for free. Um, as we think beyond SDKs, we've started to uh, get really excited and experiment with um, how we can give you embedded components for your infrastructure. So uh, one of the things that I mentioned, we've been developing self-service auth with various gateways. Um, you know, everyone uses an API gateway, but but struggles to actually figure out how to provide self-service keys. So that's an area that we've continued to um, develop and, and push forward. Um, some of the areas I'll highlight, we uh, very much believe that, you know, Open API is an amazing standard, but for a lot of teams, they just want to get all this stuff in place and not even worry about Open API yeah, sometimes, right? Sure. So we're trying to go really upstream here and um, we have a really exciting AI yeah. release coming out, which... You can think of as um, uh, a Clippy for your open API spec that actually helps you walk through your spec, keep it up to date on Mac, suggest changes, make, may automatically fix things for you. And we've talked to a lot of engineering products, technical writer teams that really spend a lot of time just on spec maintenance and it takes time away from kind of core product development. So I think we're very uniquely positioned in this world of SDKs and API infrastructure to actually start capturing all of that value um, and start making their lives a lot easier. So uh, really excited when um, my API spec writes itself. I'll say, yeah. Gosh, that's living the dream at that point. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so um, tell me a little bit about your team. How, how large is uh, the team building Speakeasy and uh, what sorts of uh, engineers do you have on staff? Yeah, so we're a team of eight. Uh, right now split between the UK and the US, um, mostly on kind of West Coast and, and GMT. Really amazing team, super fortunate to be working with them. Um, most of the developers on the team are platform engineers who are very familiar with um, APIs, API infrastructure. Several of them have built API platforms before at, at pretty large companies. Um, I think one thing that makes our team super unique is the spirit of experimentation is really strong. We have you know, every developer is a product manager. Everyone is driving on threads and driving on different angles themselves. Um, often we'll come to a standup and someone has worked on something completely new um, and completely fresh and 
based on customer feedback and, and ideas. So really excited to be working with them. We are growing and hiring, so we're looking to hire uh, several more founding engineers, founding developer marketing role, um, as well as thinking about uh, roles like um, for deployed engineer, uh, account executives, and sales is a little bit further down the road as we scale. All right. Yeah, wow, what an exciting place to be. And it sounds like there's lots of growth to be had there. Uh, and it sounds like a really interesting team. So I, I will make sure to put some links in the show description to make sure that your um, open roles are something we link to. Um, are you hiring just in on the West Coast and in the UK? That's usually something that our uh, audience is keen to hear about. Um, we are remote first, so we are hiring everywhere. Um, we do like to hire folks between the West Coast and GMT just to keep our time zone spread limited. Uh, but look, we're we're always open to talking to amazing people everywhere. And um, I think first and foremost, passion and interest in the space is what stands up. Without a doubt, I think that's probably a good way to uh, characterize early early hires at companies like yours. Makes a lot of sense. Um, okay, so Sagar, uh, from here, uh, which where's the best place for folks to get in touch with you uh, if they're interested in talking about APIs? Totally. Um, so best place would be uh, just joining a Slack community, having a chat with us. Um, if you go to our website uh, at speakeasyapi.dev, you can join a Slack community that way. You can also drop us an email link to some of the um, information provided there. Uh, if you want to try out the product, um, there's a button to join our beta. Uh, we'll immediately reach out to you and help you get started. Um, we also, most of our team serves around APIs you won't hate Slack as well. So you'll find us there. You can always bug us there directly as well. Um, I was telling Mike, it is the second most used Slack community for us after our own. So i um, happy to talk there as well. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna get you to uh, write that down on a piece of paper so I can frame it. That's that's always very very exciting for us to hear. Um, yeah, so Sagar and I were actually chatting on the uh, APIs you won't hate Slack. So if you happen to be a member there, feel free to join. Um, that is also free. Uh, we make lots of noise about lots of things in there, and um, lots of people smarter than me uh, to learn from in there, which is always really encouraging. Um, Sagar, thank thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Um, we'd be happy to have you come on and chat anytime uh, in the future if you've got new releases and new features, new functionality to talk about. Um, it's been a real privilege. Thanks so much. Uh, nice to meet you, Mike. And yeah, likewise. All right. Take care.